Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome. Uh, just if you're here live, welcome. If you're joining us again on Facebook, uh, it's good to have you all with us as well. Uh, my name is Mike. I am one of the pastors on staff here. And um, Alicia mentioned the ride on Heinz Drive. I have it on good authority that uh, the youth pastor, Eric, has uh, said he will pay whoever can beat him from Nankin Mills to Outer Drive and back. He's got $50 fresh crisp $50 bill for whoever can get there and back before him. Uh, he's been riding serious miles this summer, is ready for all challengers and contenders. So uh, just see Eric after church about that, and he'd love to talk to you. Um, I might, we're at church, I would not lie. Um, so uh, welcome again, though uh, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, before we jump into the message today, let's take a minute and pray and invite God to be part of this. Father, thank you um, just again that we get to be here, that we get to do this. Um, Father, we just want to pray for uh, folks who are struggling right now, who would love to be here and who can't be. Uh, Father, we want to lift up the Cooper family to you as Jonathan is just struggling right now with his health. Father, we pray for your hand of mercy on him and on his body. God, pray for Princess just for wisdom for her as she tries to navigate the healthcare system and make decisions uh, that are going to be in uh, Jonathan's and her family's best interest. Father, as we take time, just explore your truth today. I pray that you would open our hearts to you, that we would put down some of the defenses uh, that we put up, and we would hear truth from you for our lives. Meet us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are kicking off a brand new series today that we have entitled Truth Versus Love. And we did not entitle this series that way because that necessarily reflects God's truth as much as how that reflects how we sometimes approach these two concepts. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world that we are living in today is a little bit polarized. Anybody pick up on that? You know, just a couple of us, right? You know, we, we very much live in a either-or a this versus that, a one or the other kind of world. Take COVID, for example. Either you wear a mask because you're a mindless sheep who is bowed to the power of the government and you're ready to receive the mark of the beast, right? Or you don't wear a mask because you're a medically ignorant narcissist who is out to kill his neighbors, you know? <laughs> it's either or. It's just how it works, you know? I mean, if ever we lived in a time where we take very complex ideas, we reduce them way down, and, and then just pick sides, we are in those times. You see that with politics. You see that with uh, whether or not you're going to go to school in the fall. You see that with issues of race. You see that with sports. You even see that with advertising. In fact, this is an old school illustration, but Miller Lite sold all kinds of beer, and they played off of people's polarized thinking. So to, to illustrate this, we're going to do an I say, you say kind of thing. So I'm going to say something, and then th those of you who've been around long enough will give me the appropriate response, all right? Everybody ready? Taste great. Taste great. Taste great. All the young people are like, what just happened in here, right? Just Google, taste great, less filling, and you get about 20 years worth of commercials that sold all kinds of beer. 
And you're like, can we even talk about that in church? I don't know. But if we did that right, we'd have a brawl like breaking out right now, right? Just all kinds of places in life, we tend to go, it's one or the other. It's this versus that. It's either or. And one of the places that we can get sucked into that thinking is when it comes to the concepts of truth and love. Even, even if that's not God's design for those areas of our lives. It's easy to do that. For example, I remember sitting down one time and I'm reading my Bible. I'm just trying to read my Bible. I'm not even trying to pick sides. And, and that, 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 that thinking, it's just kind of that polarized thinking kind of snuck up on me, which shouldn't have surprised me. Because we get all kinds of polarized when it comes to the Bible, don't we? Either you're a Calvinist or you're an Arminian. You're pre-trib or you're post-trib, right? You're, you're KJV or you're NIV. You're, you're, you're traditional or you're contemporary. Churches have split over the fact whether, whether or not Adam had a belly button or not. I mean, we, can get, we get as polarized in the church as we do any place else in our world. Now, that particular day, I wasn't trying to be polarized. I wasn't trying to pick a side. I was just trying to read my Bible. But again, that polarized sneaking, it just kind of snuck up on me. See, I was reading the book of 2 John, which is a, a wonderful book to read uh, for a number of reasons, one of which is it's really short, like just 13 verses. That's it. And so if you play your cards right, you can read the book of John and come across as being very spiritual. You can be like, hey, for my quiet time today, I read an entire book of the Bible. And when somebody says, you really, what'd you read? You just say to them, well, I, you know, I'm working, I'm really working on focusing on others rather than myself. So what did you read for your quiet time? <laughs> See how he did that? You know, you can use this thing. So I'm, I'm reading through 2 John. And as I'm reading, I, I just was struck by this idea of what is John really talking about? Is he talking about this thing or the other thing? And that polarized th thinking just kind of grabbed hold of me. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through the book of 2 John together. And you can see if you can pick up on where I got polarized. And for people who aren't watching or aren't attending today, you can use this and you can look spiritual with them. So here we go. 2 John. John says, The elder to the lady chosen by God and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It gives me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. And you have heard this from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not, excuse me, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. If anyone runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, he does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. If anyone welcomes them, they share in their wicked work. 
I have much to write to you, but do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Your children of your, the children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. So I'm reading through this thing. And the first time I read through, I think, oh my goodness, John is all about truth. And then I read through it a second time so that I can say to people, for my quiet time today, I read an entire book of the Bible twice. <laughs> the glare from my halo isn't getting into your eyes, is it right? And I read through a second time and I think, you know what? I think John is all about love. And that's when the polarized thinking got me. I thought to myself, okay, which is it? Is, is it all about love or is it all about truth? Which one is John all about? Which one is most important to John as he writes here? Because like on, on one hand, John writes, a, I mean, you read through that, that, that book and it's, he just keeps going back again and again and again to love. Is it all about love? And, and by love here, John is, John is talking about agape love, which hopefully you, you, you can remember just about six weeks ago, we talked about that in the Equip series. And we said that this is the kind of love that expresses God's unconditional love for us. God's um, just a love that is complete. The, the idea that there's nothing I'm going to do to make God love me more. There's nothing I'm going to do to make God love me less. He loves me fully. He loves me completely just like I am. And you read through this epistle of John's and you can't get away from the fact that love and how we interact with one another, love and how we live our lives is incredibly important to John. Now, when, when you think about love here, anybody, anybody know somebody who, who's a love person? Anybody know someone in their lives? They just, they just exemplify this particular virtue. Like for me growing up, the, the person who just was the love person in my life was my grandma Bertha. My grandma Bertha is my dad's mom. And my grandma Bertha, she loved my dad completely. She loved my dad unconditionally, arguably to a fault. And my dad as a kid, he tested that love as kids sometimes are prone to do. For example, um, my dad's parents, when he was younger, they split up, they got divorced. And my grandma Bertha, to help supplement her income, she would rent out rooms in her house. Now, my dad didn't always like the people who rented the rooms. In fact, there was this one renter, my dad could not stand her, didn't want any part of her. And so he came up with this plan that was going to drive this woman out of the house. And the plan was really quite simple. He waited till there was nobody at home, snuck into the bathroom, and drilled two holes in either side of the toilet seat. And then he took some finishing nails, and he slid those up through the bottom of the toilet seat, and then he sanded them down so that the, the metal in the, the toilet seat, I don't know if they had a plastic one or the old school wood ones, it worked better with a wood one. Um, like, anybody have a wood toilet seat? Like, that's going way back. Yeah, see? All right, so there we go. Um, so uh, I, I noticed I didn't point out the people who shook their heads. Yes, so sanded this thing down so the metal in the wood is all flush there, right? And then he wires up those nails. And he runs the wire down the toilet seat, across the, the, the wall, and into the linen closet that shares a wall with the bathroom. And then he connects those wires to a crank-powered army generator. True story. True story. So the, the plan is really quite simple. He's going to wait for the renter to go into the bathroom when nature calls, 
and then he's going he's gonna, to, you know, the, the sparks are going to fly. So my dad climbs in and gets into that little linen closet and he waits. And he hears the renter go into the bathroom and he waits till she, you know, gets, gets on the seat there and gives her a few minutes to get things warm and get comfortable and get going. And then he starts cranking. And as he starts cranking, the voltage is going from one cheek to the other cheek, right? And as the screams begin to issue from the bathroom, my dad initially thinks, we have sweet victory here. Until he realizes that the screams he is hearing are those of his mother, not the renter. <laughs> For all of his planning, my dad forgot to take into account, you need to see who's going into the bathroom if you're going to create an electric seat for the renter and not for your mother. So he lit his mother up and still, Grandma Bertha loved him unconditionally and completely. Just growing up, she was the embodiment of love in my life. You just, even when, even when she shouldn't have loved you well, Grandma Bertha was going to love you well. So as John's writing, John is all about love and the importance of love in our lives and in our relationships. But as John is writing, John is also all about truth. Now truth here, truth is, is just unveiled reality. With truth, what you see is what you get. With truth, the, the, your truth person, they're going to tell it to you like it is. It's just cold, hard facts. While, while love will say to you things like you're forgiven, truth is going to say, hey, you're accountable. Love is going to tell you you're fine. Truth is going to say you're broken. Love's going to say to you, hey, you, 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 it's, it's, it's going to be okay. We're going we're we're to make this thing work. And truth is going to say, hey, you've you, you got to do something about this. Love's going to say, I got your back no matter what. Truth is going to say, you gotta get, you've got some work to do. Now, there are love people for sure. But in life, there are also truth people. And I don't know about you, but for me, the truth person in my life growing up, as odd as it may seem, was my grandpa Bill, my dad's dad. Grandpa Bill was a straight shooter. If you wanted somebody to hold you accountable, I don't know who goes looking for that, but if you want somebody to hold you accountable, Grandpa Bill was your guy. He was going to tell it to you like it is, and he was not going to let you get away with anything. For example, as kids um, during the summer, every, every summer we looked forward to the, to, to the day at the Gross Point public pool. My, my Grandpa Bill, he, his second wife was Grandma Sherry, they, they, they lived in Gross Point. And every summer, they would invite our family for, you know, once or twice a summer out for a day at the pool in Gross Point. And just massive pool, diving boards. It's right there on the lake, you know, deep end, shallow end. And as kids, we just loved the day at Grandma Sherry's pool. Now, we would get there, and I would be all over the place. I'm running back and forth, trying to get to the diving board, get a better place in line, trying to get, you know, there's action over there. I got to be part of it. So I'm zipping around this giant cement deck all around the pool. And all day long, the lifeguards are blowing a whistle at me. And they're saying, hey, kid, quit running on the deck. Now, do you, you know why they tell you not to run on the deck? Yeah, because yeah, the deck gets, imagine this, you're at a pool, the deck gets wet. And when the deck gets wet, the deck gets slippery. So sure enough, that day, I'm running around the deck and the lifeguards are blowing a whistle. I'm like, hey, quit running on the deck. And I would slow down. And the minute they weren't looking, off I go again. I'm running on the deck. That day, I went down on the deck. And when I did, I got a cement burn from the back of my knee to halfway up my backside. Now, Grandpa Bill saw this go down. So he comes over, he picks me up, he dusts me off, and he takes me back to his condo. 
and he cleans that wound out with Listerine mouthwash. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> True story. You know what the main ingredient in Listerine is? Alcohol. That's correct. Yeah. So he gets me in the bathtub, and he pours that Listerine down that cement burn, and I start howling, right? And he's like, hey, would you like me to wash that off? Would you like me to rinse that off? And I said, yes, please. Now, I'd lost my manners with the lifeguards at the pool in the bathtub. I found them again right quick, right? So he rinses it off with some more Listerine, and then some more after that, before he finally rinses it off with some water. And then he says to me, he says, hey, don't run on the deck. You could run and you could fall and you could hurt yourself way worse than this. And it's been more than 40 years since that incident. You know how many times I've run on a pool deck since then? Not once. <laughs> and to be honest, I, really, I actually look back fondly on that incident because it taught me all kinds of lessons about how life works well beyond pool decks. In fact, I can't wait for the day where I get to wash my grandchildren's wounds out with Listerine. I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding. So, 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 but for me growing up, Grandma Bertha, she was the embodiment of love. Just this unconditional, complete, no matter what kind of love. Growing up, Grandpa Bill was the embodiment of truth. There was accountability. You were going to get it like it was. And those were my dad's parents. And if you didn't catch it earlier, their marriage ended in divorce. To which some of you say, well, shocker. <laughs> of course it did. Because there's no way those two extremes ever could coexist together. But see, there we go again. Because there's that polarized thinking that says to us it's got to either be truth or it's got to be love. It's got to be one or the other. Our brains just naturally go there. But that's not where John goes. See, again, I'm, I'm reading 2 John, and this polarized thinking sneaks up on me. And I'm thinking, okay, wh which, which one of these is more important to John? Which one of these is he, is he going to land on? I'm reading 2 John, I'm thinking, this is the ultimate cage match. Right? It's truth versus love. Let's get ready to rumble. Like who, let's see who, who's going to win, right? And so I come up with this plan, you know, to try and figure out which is more important to John. And looking back, it was kind of silly, but I thought, okay, I'm going to read through this thing a couple more times, and I'm going to count the number of times he uses each one. And whichever one he uses more, that's obviously the winner. So I, I read through, and I'm like, okay, how many times is John going to use the word truth here? Five times. Then I read through again and go, okay, how many times is he going to use the word love here? Five. <laughs> like there's no help there, right? And then verse three just jumps out at me. Where John says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. All of a sudden, it dawns on me. John's doing this on purpose. This isn't about truth or love. This is about truth and love. See, we struggle with this. 
We naturally struggle with the idea of it being truth and love. And we do so because for a number of reasons. One of them is that we tend to have a natural bent towards one or the other. We, we tend to be wired and, and naturally just go with one of these over the other. It's how it works. In fact, we'll, we'll see who the, the self-aware and honest people are today. And you can give me an answer in your live stream feed. You can raise your hand. How, how many of you just know you, you tend to be a love person? Just how you're wired, all right? You, you don't have to be ashamed. Love people, you be proud, right? How many of you know you just, by nature, you're a truth person, all right? How many of you married the opposite? Uh-huh. Funny how that works, isn't it? Uh-huh. Right? Now, now, if you're sitting here going, well, I'm not sure which I am, here's, here's one of the ways you can figure that out. As people are identifying themselves, if you found yourself thinking, oh, look at that. They raised their hand. They figured out how to put that in the live stream feed. <laughs> look how self-aware they are. You just might be a love person, all right? I'm just saying, all right? At the same time, as people are identifying themselves, if you went, no, you're not. Put your hand down. You, you, that, 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 you know, you just might be a truth person. In fact, some of you truth people, you didn't just think it. You had to say it out loud, right? Couldn't help yourself. See, we struggle with truth and love because we tend to be naturally bent towards one or the other. Not only so, but we struggle with truth and love because when it's truth or love, you can keep it neat and clean. It's, it's, it's a lot easier to be consistent. It's a lot easier to feel fair. It's a lot easier to feel like, okay, I got the right decision. But when it's truth and love, things get messy. The peas and carrots start touching. It's hard to be consistent. It's tricky to be fair. And it's not always easy to tell if you got this right or not. But John isn't calling us to neat and clean and easy. He's actually calling us to messy and difficult. And I think that John does that for a number of reasons. One of which is, I think John calls us to truth and love because that's what John saw in Jesus. John writes four books in our New Testament. Writes the three letters to the churches that are known as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he writes one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we refer to as the Gospel of John. And in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, John describes who Jesus is to his readers in a number of different ways. Like he starts off talking about how God is, is, is like a word. And then he refers to Jesus as the word and, and highlights his divinity. And then John, he, he, he jumps into this illustration. It's a fascinating illustration where he basically describes Jesus as a painter who's painted this picture just full of people and who then steps down into the painting to interact with the people there. Now, the folks in the painting, they don't want anything to do with the artist. They refuse to acknowledge him as the artist, and they try and throw him out of the painting. And then in verse 14 of this first chapter, John begins to describe Jesus. And he uses terminology that's slightly different than the terminology that he uses in his second letter, but that captures the same idea. Here's what John says. He says, the word became flesh, and made his dwelling 
among us. In other words, Jesus camped out with us. Jesus moved in with us. Jesus lived with us. And by us, John means, John means me and the other uh, you know, 11 guys that spent about three years of our lives living with Jesus. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen. We have seen. We've seen something you haven't seen. Something you really needed to be there to see. But let me tell you about it anyway. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See, John isn't willing to go with either or. He isn't willing to go with one or the other. It's not a this versus that kind of thing for him because in Jesus, John saw both. In Jesus, John saw someone who was full, right up to the brim, with grace and truth. Someone who was full, right up to the top, with both truth and love. And so then John challenges, he calls those of us who are following Jesus not to be one or the other, or either or, or this versus that. But if we're really following Jesus, in spite of what natural wiring or bent we have, we're going to be people who are full of both truth and love. Now, aside from who Jesus was, I think there's a couple other reasons why John goes with both truth and love. First one is this. It's because love without truth is powerless. Love without truth, it's powerless to save people from the destruction and the devastation and the death that sin will bring to bear on their lives. See, people who tend to be, they're love people, and they tend to love at the expense of truth. They'll say they're doing that to be loving, all the while failing to realize that when you let somebody destroy their life, that's not loving. And when I love at the expense of truth, that's what I'm doing. And so John says it's got to be truth and love because love without truth, it's powerless. But John also calls for both because he understands that truth without love is every bit as powerless. See, truth without love is powerless to, to, to bring a person who's lost their way back home again. Truth people will say things like, I'm just, I'm just giving it to you straight to help you get your life straight. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not holding back because I care enough to say something. But when it's all truth and no love, that almost never helps a person find their way back home again. The means by which I'm trying to justify things, it never leads to the end that I say that I'm all about. It's just a bunch of truth and nobody gets back home again. So John says it's not either or, it's supposed to be both. Because when you have truth and love, both of them right up to the top, there's genuine power. Power to genuinely care well, power to genuinely help well. So here's where we're going to go in the rest of the series. 
We're going to take some time one week and we're going to go, okay, what's it look like when we get out of balance with love at the expense of truth? And what, what do we need to do to address that? Especially if that's just how we're wired. And we're going to take some time to look at, okay, what does it look like to get out of balance with truth at the expense of love? And what do I need to do to address that if that's me, especially if I'm just wired as a truth person? And then we're going to take some time and we're going to look at Jesus and how Jesus illustrates for us what, is it, what, what, what it looks like to live fully and to both truth and love at the same time. It should be good. It should be fun. Make sure you're here with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you just for John. Father, thank you just for the wisdom that comes with the way that he wrote and for his call to be something more than polarized. For his call to be something more than maybe just our natural bent. For his call to be satisfied, not to be satisfied with, with being deficient in either love or truth. But for his willingness to point us to Jesus. Somebody who is full of both. Father, help us please today, help us please in the weeks to come, just to be aware of who we are, aware of where we need to grow, and what it will look like for us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.